Amazing footage from Louisville, Kentucky. These guys, these hero cops to the rescue yesterday. You heard about the mass shooting, right? Well, tragically, five people were killed, but a lot more people would have been killed if it wasn't for these cops. Um, we'll never have these people back, but uh, they are remembered, all five of them, of course, colleagues at that bank. As far as the shooter, well, we're hearing some interesting things. The shooter uh, was quite the athlete and may have suffered numerous, as in dozens of concussions. Now, take a look at this picture. Can you make out his head? He's wearing a helmet. How many basketball players have you ever... I've never seen a basketball player wear a helmet. And we're told the reason why he was wearing that helmet is because he had suffered so many concussions. That could have a lasting impact. We've heard of CTE and football players. Um, this is something that I think should be investigated and talked about. Instead, no. It's all about assault weapons ban. Yes, let's do it. Ban assault weapons before she even knows what kind of weapon is involved or anything. Just assault weapons ban. It's all about the guns. No, two weeks ago, it could have been about transgender issues and psychotropic drugs. And with this person, and by the way, he's responsible, but did uh, football, uh, playing sports and those injuries have a role? I think that's worth knowing, don't you? Or are we going to have the same sad argument about guns all over again? By the way, we are praying for the police officer who was shot in the head, Nick Wilt. And he'd only been on the job just a few days, actually, a few weeks, I believe. Graduated from the police academy just last month. One of the hero cops who responded. All right. Meanwhile, our people at risk and our secrets at risk. Oh, yeah, Joe Biden can't keep us safe, and he can't even keep our nation's intelligence under wraps. Uh, think about it. Our people, those 13 folks who were killed, our soldiers and Marines and the sailor and the airmen in Afghanistan, all right, totally blew it. Uh, and then the China balloon just traversing our country. No questions asked. We didn't even get on the phone with President Xi about this. And the FBI hassling good people who were concerned about their children's education. I mean, this is crazy stuff. And the latest is documents concerning our national security are everywhere. I mean, everywhere on everybody's social media. Uh, take a look at the headlines. There has been a huge compromise that I don't think we've seen since maybe, uh, let's see, WikiLeaks or really more accurately, the Pentagon Papers, the Pentagon Papers. And go figure, the Pentagon, well, maybe they've lost focus, right? Keeping track of all those documents is tough when you have all these other things to do, right? You got to worry about uh, woke this and celebrate that and diversity, equity and inclusion. You know, there are only so many hours in the day. And seriously, when you bog down our national security establishment with all of this junk, there's less time to focus on the mission. There's less time to keep the documents secure. It plays a role. I know. Oh, no, 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 no. No, it does. Our national security establishment, by the way, has totally flipped its lid. This is an actual advertisement for the CIA. They're looking for recruits to join the Central Intelligence Agency and this is the way they do it.
Nothing about me was or is tragic. I am perfectly made. I can wax eloquent on complex legal issues in English while also belting Guayaquil de mis amores in Spanish. I can change a diaper with one hand and console a crying toddler with the other. I am a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. She's also got an attitude, huh? I am this. I am that. I am perfect, I think she said. And what about that disorder? Wait, she says she has some sort of anxiety disorder. Sign her up for one of the most <laughs> sensitive jobs in our government. That is taking woke way too far, don't you think? All right. Also, have you noticed any of this? On average, people spend about three hours a day on their phones. And we check our phones 58 times a day. Did you know that most people check their phones on average 58 times a day? And we spend nearly four hours a day looking down our mobile devices. You know, I wish it was just 58 times a day or four hours on our devices. I don't believe that. That stuff is dated, all right? That's not the case. We have reached a tipping point. Yes, the cell phone tipping point. What is that? Uh, most people are spending more time looking at that phone than they are looking at the world around them. More time. They may check the real world 58 times a day, but the default, the natural position, excuse me, is to be on this silly device. I mean, take a look at it. You've seen it a million times, whether people are having dinner or they just got married. Seems like there's always something better to do on the phone. This is having, we are, our brains are being rewired and something Darwinian is occurring and I am genuinely worried about it. Now, granted, the phone provides some amazing things and right now I am actually relying on it for information about January 6th, because guess what? We're not getting it from Lester Holt or Nora O'Donnell. No way. Uh, you know, there's a trial going on. Some of the Proud Boys, the accused Proud Boys, which include Enrique Tarrio. You know, he's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, he's not a white supremacist, by the way. He's Afro-Cuban. So many lies have been told about him and the Proud Boys, and hardly anybody is paying attention to the trial. Take a look at this media scene. Uh, this is not the Proud Boys trial. This is, I think, Murdoch in South Carolina. Remember that? Seems like eight years ago. Uh, Enrique Tarrio got in trouble because he burned a Black Lives Matter flag. That was the first thing he did wrong, and they actually put him in jail for that. Can you believe that? They made him, He pled guilty, and they put him in prison for burning a Black Lives Matter flag. I mean, the big mistake he made, of course, not burning an American flag. Enrique, that's what you should have done. You could have avoided all of this, perhaps. Anyway, after he got out, uh, well, the real, in my opinion, harassment began. Enrique Tarrio and the Proud Boys, according to some reports on January 6th, there may have been just as many FBI agents in this, uh, in this group as there were Proud Boys. Uh, at times, the FBI had eight informants inside the Proud Boys in the months surrounding January 6, 2021. And oh, by the way, there are reports that there may have been dozens of informants slashed federal agents there on January 6th. Would have been nice if somebody called ahead. Enrique Tarrio was actually in text contact with somebody he knew, a police chief in Washington, D.C., 
He knew he was a police chief. He was keeping them updated about what they were doing, the Proud Boys, where they were. He was cooperating with law enforcement because he wasn't looking for trouble. Um, this has been documented. Take a look. Uh, Enrique Tarrio, then chairman of the, well, they say far-right extremist group. This is the New York Times. Repeatedly shared outlines of members' plans in D.C. and elsewhere at the request of Shane Lamond, a 22-year veteran of the D.C. Police Department. At one point... <laughs> Lamont said, hey, we definitely have to catch up for drinks before you leave. This wasn't subversive. They were working with the government. They weren't looking for trouble. I do believe. Look, the trial hasn't been covered adequately. More on that in a moment. But there are key questions. We have to expand our list of questions about January 6th. All right. This, the Proud Boys, there needs to be more attention on this. Why didn't? If there were so many informants there, which we're confident there were, did one of them not call the Capitol and say, you need more guards at Peace Plaza? You see, there's one Capitol police officer there on January 6th at 1122 in the morning. And this is after they walked all the way from the ellipse, right? Why did they have only one? Why didn't one of these guys call? Maybe they wanted something bad to happen. All right. So what are our questions? Number one, who was that little cop? All right. Why was that little cop waving people in so enthusiastically? Step this way, right? Why were those officers just standing there? The January 6th committee didn't even try, didn't even ask these questions. Why were they just standing there as people came right on in? Uh, next, why did those three police officers just walk away from their post? Why did they just let the mob have at that door? and put Ashley Babbitt's life at risk. Look, they walk away, and then all hell breaks loose, huh? How about that? And now we know, uh, over the past couple of weeks, we found out, in part thanks to Speaker McCarthy and Tucker Carlson, the shaman, uh, the horns guy, escorted around by Capitol cops. What was that all about? You know, nobody actually addressed the substance of this. They were just yelling and screaming, how dare this be shown on TV? Just show the selectedly edited stuff that we provided the committee. No, that's important. And Officer Sicknick, here he is on January 6th, alive and well when they said he had already been hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, which is not true, and that he was, well, dying. Not true. These are big questions uh, for the country. The media should be asking them. No, instead, they're, they're too busy at this trial and that trial and not asking about Hunter Biden's laptop. Can you believe that the president of the United States, President Joe Biden, can go in front of the media and not be asked about the laptop? As far as we can tell, he has never been asked by a member of the press about, about that laptop. Only Donald Trump has brought it up, and he did it right to his face. By the way, Biden, with all of his issues, could this be true? Are you saying that, uh, that you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either, so either, either roll an egg or you know, being the, 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 you know, the guy who's pushing him out. Come on, help a, bro help a brother out. Make no, some news no, for no, me. No, no, well, I, I plan on running out, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. All right, that gibberish about rolling eggs out, I didn't get that, but... Uh, He's going to run, but he's not ready to announce it. It's not a done deal from what I'm hearing from senior people in the Democrat Party. They know. They can't deny it. Joe is weak. Joe cannot withstand the rigors of a traditional presidential campaign, which without COVID, he can't hide in the basement, right? We're going we're gonna to have a real campaign. 
And they know he's not up to it. They know that. And some Democrats are stepping forward. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, all right. He's liberal, but some things I really, really like. He was very bold about the vaccine, that it should be a choice, not mandated. This guy poses a real threat, could do some real damage to Joe Biden's uh, electability. Uh, the dreamboat for some Democrats is this guy, Gavin Newsom, you know, all thin, big hair. Isn't that amazing that Gavin Newsom is politically viable? When you consider California and what's happening, the, the anarchy, the chaos in California, and he just stands there looking slim with the big hair and saying the right woke things, and he's actually a viable presidential contender if Joe Biden were to fall out. They say that this guy could be the man. They'll have to do something about Kamala Harris. Look, I'm not buying any of this. Donald Trump, the sitting president, got 74 million votes. That's more votes than any sitting president in American history. But he lost to Joe Biden as he sat in that basement. Boy, do you have questions? I do big time. So where are we now? This guy, uh, the biggest phony in the world, uh, Justin Pearson. Uh, I told you about him last night. I knew he was a phony, and now there's even more proof. Here he is just a few short years ago, a young man full of promise. Justin J. Pearson, and I'm running for president of BSG. There are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year. One has to do with representation. How can we represent all voices in a conversation? I wanted to do this by partnering with organizations from the Boone Democrats to the Boone Republicans. I want to bring together different voices, dissenting voices, voices that may be more liberal or more conservative, in order that we can reach a point of sort of the radical middle. Hey, I like that guy. I don't like what he became a few short years later, and this is something he chose. This is a persona and a personality that he went out of his way to adopt. It's not really who he is. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. But oh, that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last. But oh, we have good news, folks. We've got good news that Sunday always comes. I wonder if he talks like that when he goes through the McDonald's drive through I will have a big man. I, I don't know. That's, uh, that's not who he is. But politicians do this all the time. They turn on that, uh, that voice. Here's AOC giving it a shot. When Donald Trump tapped into this idea of make America great again, there... There, were, there was times of economic opportunity. Wages rose until the 1970s. All right. And then you send her to Al Sharpton's National Action Network headquarters in Harlem, and she sounds very different. I'm proud to be a bartender. Ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with working retail, folding clothes for other people to buy. There is nothing wrong with preparing the food that your neighbors will eat. Oh, girl, what are you saying? Uh, this is this is a big Democrat thing. I haven't found any Republicans who do it like this. Uh, oh, Bakari, what? We got two more to go. All right. Bakari Sellers. You see him on CNN all the time. Take a look. I wish we were somewhere else. I wish Ben Crump wasn't so famous. 
I wish we had a week where black folk weren't just dying Amen. at the hands of law enforcement. Yeah, I, I, they just kind of sound different because when he's on a table on CNN, well, it's a different personality. Racism is a question of power, not a question of attitude. And so when we say that the president of the United States is racist, it's because he harbors these views and he has the power to implement policy which subjugate these people to oppressive systems. Man, he is excellent at enunciating. Why does he enunciate for Anderson Cooper and not in certain other settings? All right, one more. Here's Barack Obama changing in real time. We ain't got time to be tired. We don't have time to be tired. <laughs> we ain't got time to be tired. We don't have time to be tired. Uh, that's pandering, all right? And very small amount of time, same phrase, two different groups pandering. Two, you know who doesn't do that, of course? Donald Trump. He is the same guy, whether it's a black church or, uh, I don't know, mixed martial arts. I mean, he's the same guy. And we love it. Remember, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? I'll be right back. Look at this, the destruction. They're demolishing Bud Light beer because, well, nobody likes it anymore after this Dylan Mulvaney stunt. They brought this individual in to promote Bud Light. It obviously is, I don't know, designed to offend. It's ludicrous. This person, I'm sorry, is ludicrous. Um, and Bud Light may be paying a price. Take a look. Oh, yeah, right. Rainbow beer, huh? <laughs> Excuse me. Bud Light sales are down 0.04%. All right. Well, it's not exactly plummeting, but that's not a good sign. Over the past few months, wow, they almost sold a billion dollars worth of beer. Anyway, they better watch out because Modelo Especial, their sales are up 11.1% as they go down. Wow, huh? people don't like this uh, transgender stuff when it comes to beer. Look, you can be whatever you want to be, but just don't associate it with stuff it has nothing to do with, in my opinion. All right, have you ever watched The Wire? Um, I've only seen like two episodes, but... They have an interesting phrase, and I think they may have coined it. No, they didn't coin it, but anyway, check it out. I don't get it. All this so we score higher on the state test. If we're teaching the kids the test questions, what is it assessing in them? Nothing. It assesses us. The test scores go up. They can say the schools are improving. The scores stay down. They can't. Juking the stats. Excuse me? making robberies into larcenies, making rapes disappear. You juke the stats and majors become colonels. Yeah, you get that? Juking the stats. He called it juking the stats. That's playing games with the numbers, and it happens all the time. Uh, and you can do it with lots of different subjects. Hey, remember COVID in the early days? They really wanted to make it a big, big thing and associate it with Anybody dying, anybody getting remotely sick because it would hurt Trump. The number of patients currently hospitalized nationwide is now double what we saw in April and July. Officials are reporting a 600% jump in COVID deaths since last month. COVID deaths are mounting in America. 
We're now averaging close to 800 deaths per day. The numbers are just staggering as COVID cases skyrocket across the U.S. The seven-day average in the U.S. now topping 260,000 new cases per day. That's a new high. Now, most of that was during the campaign, and you had to really, really hype it to hurt Trump and protect Joe Biden. I mean, how else could Joe Biden have remained in that basement? Hmm? How could he have? They, it had to be a crisis situation where he could actually be in the basement during a presidential campaign. All right. And they, they juke the statistics in all kinds of way. Crime. Crime is out of control all across the country. This this happened not too far from where I'm sitting right now. You see the guy on the right? Hard to make out, but he has a gun. And moments later, he's going to shoot the guy in the tan jacket right in the head. And then he shoots him again. And then he pickpockets him. This is happening in New York. And the leaders across the country, but especially here, trying to say that everything's fine. In fact, everything's better than fine, better than ever before. New York City is our home, not a playground for your misplaced anger. We are the safest large city in America because we respect the rule of law. Build morale going forward and ensure that New York remains the safest big city in America. The government is doing a great job. Just ask the government, right? Uh, safe big city. That's that's an oxymoron. Everybody knows that the cities are out of control, especially the one where I live. And it's all because, in large part, huge component here, Black Lives Matter and the summer of 2020 and how everybody from the media, corporate America, academia, the NFL said this was peaceful. Even the military tried to say that this was peaceful. But you know why we're not safe? Because of what they did to the police, the disrespect, the harassment. They made their jobs so much more difficult. Everybody now out to get them in trouble. How, after this episode, could we be safer? We're not. <laughs> we're not. And we know which party is to blame. Quite frankly, which culture? All right. The corrupt culture. Corporate America, you name it, they had a hand in this, and it's so tragic, and lives are being lost. And the media, I think more than anybody else, they're the ones who are responsible. They could have tried, at least tried, to inject some sanity into all of this. All right, Joe Biden is in Ireland. What for? Four-day trip to focus on the Good Friday Agreement? To explore Irish lineage and meet with relatives. You know, this is an indicator that maybe, maybe, maybe he's not running for president. I mean... He doesn't have this kind of time, or maybe he does. I don't know. But a serious president is not going there for four days to hang around. Sorry. And, of course, he's bringing his family. Have you noticed that? Joe, when he gets on Air Force One, he goes with Hunter and Valerie, his sister. I mean, Hunter is 50-something years old. I think he's a little bit too old to be palling around with his dad so much, and that's what they do. It's almost like they're the royal family. He goes on these big trips. They come. Uh, trip after trip after trip, uh, they're there. I mean, walking with the president, like, look at us, look at me, I'm a big shot too. You're not. We elected one president, and I don't like the way this looks. I think it's, well, I think they're exploiting it. You know, Donald Trump, uh, when he was getting off of Marine One, getting on Air Force One, well, he's the leader of the country. And leadership sometimes can be lonely. And I think this is the way you're supposed to do it. Now, he had his family with him, but they were 
<laughs> appropriately in the background. There's Eric on the left with staff, all right? Not like at his right hand every step of the way. I think they, I think they played it much more appropriately. And there can be nothing worse than this, than how they went to China, how Joe Biden took his son to China. This was a corrupt act right here. And they're just going to let it go? I don't think so. I don't think so. Hey, political conventions. They're basically great big uh, television events, right? All the balloons and some argue they're not really necessary. Well, the Democrat National Convention will be having theirs in Chicago for some reason. Why would they have it in Chicago? Um, yeah, that's Chicago in happier days. Uh, Chicago lately, well, you know what they call it there, Chirac, 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 because of all the crime. That place is totally and completely out of control. Good luck to the delegates. Good luck. Highest number of homicides in the U.S. in 2022. 697 total homicides. That's a, that's a rough place. And the Democrats don't have much luck having conventions in Chicago, 1968. Uh, that was pandemonium. And it probably cost Hubert Humphrey the presidency. We want them to have a peaceful convention, but I think this could jinx it. All right, give me a moment. I'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Carson for Gold Alliance. If you're concerned about how Washington's latest shenanigans may impact your financial future, this is an important message to hear because right now we have a stock market correction. We got high inflation, Fed rate hikes happening all the time. Some experts say a recession may sweep the nation, and folks who fail to prepare may face challenging times ahead, while gold owners may have a historic opportunity to grow richer. Now, if you'd like to learn a simple way you can diversify with gold before an economic downturn comes, if you'd like to put yourself on the road to financial peace of mind, the new 2023 Gold Guide from our friends at Gold Alliance can show you how. Here's what you got to do. Just go to www.freegoldguide.com slash Carson freegoldguide.com slash Carson, or you can write down this number 800-247-9236, 800-247-9236, or again, go to freegoldguide.com slash Carson. Ban assault weapons, very imaginative Vice President Kamala Harris, ban assault weapons. Do you even know what an assault weapon is? Um, you know, the ignorance of the Biden-Harris administration is astonishing. And it was really revealed uh, back during the 2020 campaign when Joe Biden was, uh, well, he's the one who was yelling at the guy in the hard hat there, Jerry Wayne. At the time, he was a Detroit union worker, and he totally schooled Joe Biden on all matters gun-related. And Joe was revealed to be quite a simpleton on the matter and very poorly mannered as well. Uh, no manners there. Hey, Jerry Wayne, that hard hat joins us once again. Jerry, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Mr. Kelly? Terrific. Good to see you again. You know, that moment, we're going to play a big chunk of it in a second here, but um, just an amazing uh, episode. Did you know that you were being taped at the time? And that it was going to go viral, and then it might even change your life. Oh no, I had I had no idea that it was going to go viral or anything. I mean, there were camcorders there, but I was going to ask them the question regardless if there were cameras there. I didn't know there was going to be cameras there until like thirty seconds before I talked to Biden. Well, it was a big deal. It should have probably been a bigger deal because Joe looked like a fool, 
And, of course, the media tries to protect him. And are you ever frustrated by that? This should have been even bigger. It was big, but well, it should have been bigger. Yeah, yeah. I would think it was really big. It's just like that was the time of COVID really hit hit the shores, you know, on the East Coast, apparently. That's where the D.C. was talking about it. And Trump was, you know, under fire under that stuff. So that really took precedent over what happened with Joe Biden there. And I, th I don't think the media would have liked it any other way. You know, that was all they wanted was to get away from this situation right here. All right. So he's then former Vice President Joe Biden as a candidate running uh, for the big job and he meets you. And uh, let's go ahead and play uh, uh, first shot zero zero. There is a large portion of the union workers that are gun enthusiasts and you are actively trying to diminish our Second Amendment right and take away our guns. You're for All right. Thank now, you. Now, shush. Shush. I support the Second Amendment. I did why. not say that. That's yeah. not true. I did it's not a say that. Video. Well, it's a viral video like the other ones are putting out that are simply a lie. Your voice, you said that you're taking the gun. Oh, well, he just clarified it. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, take thing. the AR, your AR-14s or whatever. Okay, this is not okay. Hold on, hold on. All right. Hey, let's you went out to me. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys wanting. I'm not worried. Give me a break, man. Don't be such a worried guy. You know, there's so much great stuff in there. I think before we get to the substance, when he's pointing at you and you're like, I'm sorry, this is not OK. There you are, Jerry Wayne. You're correcting a vice president on his despicably rude behavior. You get it. He doesn't. That's just that's just magic, man. Yeah, I tell you what, man, I just I think that he comes into places and he wants to pander to people. That's what he want to do on his campaign. And I got to see it firsthand. You wonder what they do is they come in here and they're saying, hey, uh, you can either work for the next two or three hours or you can come see a famous guy. And that's how they get everybody there. Like, oh, well, I don't want to work. And then they throw the T-shirts on so they can get a picture with a famous person. And that's not me personally. Yeah. And I tell you what, I, I have questions. I'm a concerned American, you know, and I still have many questions today. And for him to come at me like that, like, I think that a lot of people see the government above them. I'm not that person. That's not what's in my blood. This guy works for me or so he's supposed to. And for him to come at me like that, like, I'm not going to have that. I don't let grown men on the job site talk to me like yeah. that, let alone a, a person like this. And as Amer Americans, we have to get over this mentality that, that, that we put them on a pedestal. Oh, They're no. below us. Yeah. Jerry, uh, you totally get it. Hey, do me a favor. Uh, he, he was talking about shotguns and a bunch of things. He doesn't seem, number one, to understand the difference between a, 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 he doesn't know what an assault weapon is, number one. What were your takeaways? What are his misconceptions about the issue, if you don't mind briefly? Well, the, no, for sure. The, well, the first thing that he was doing is he was just kept, keeps reiterating just political talking points. There wasn't really a conversation there. It was political talking point after political talking point. Even at one point, he stated that he wasn't going to take our guns away. And then he said that he's, he's got to take away all of our guns. Like, you're not allowed any gun, but I'm not taking our guns away. So he's, he's back and forth. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's just a puppet. And, and for now, we have this huge push with all these people in Congress that want to ban assault weapons now, or assault weapons, yeah. when that's against the Constitution of the United States. These people swore an oath to uphold our constitutions, and now they're sitting there trying to take it away. America has protected uh, America from its inception against these people. If you are trying to take away our Second, Amer excuse me, our Second Amendment, mm. you are inherently not American.
Jerry, uh, appreciate it so much. Uh, I, to this day, he does not know what an assault weapon is. I'd love to ask him that at a not press conference, see what happens. Jerry the Wayne. Black hey, one, I guess. Do me a favor. Check out Jerry Wayne on Rumble. He's got a great uh, account there. Great content. Jerry Wayne AR-14. Jerry Wayne AR-14 on Rumble. Thanks very much for joining us again, Jerry, and we'll be right back. So do the Bidens think they're some sort of royal family? I've noticed when Joe travels, he loves to bring uh, sons, sisters, brothers, uncles, cousins. They're all they're all traveling with Joe like the Kennedys, like the like the royal family. It kind of rose me the wrong way. I don't think it's actually supposed to be done like this. I know that when he went to China as vice president, Hunter Biden had no business whatsoever on that trip. Absolutely not. Now, Michael Reagan, the son of President Reagan, and he is the president of the Reagan Legacy Foundation, a Newsmax contributor, a great in radio for over 25 years. I know he occasionally maybe hopped a ride on Marine One, but uh, we thought he'd be have some excellent insight into whether or not the Bidens are overdoing it. Michael Reagan, welcome back. How are you, sir? I'm great. Also Air Force One. So I was actually taking Marine One to Andrews to get on Air Force One to fly back to California with my father, Father's Day 1988. Not bad. So the presidency was winding down. Um, (laughs) Did they have any guidelines? I mean, look, obviously, from time to time, family's going to get to fly on board. You saw the pictures of the Bidens. They're doing it a lot. They just went to Ireland all together, getting on Air Force One at the same time. Maybe they haven't, but do you think they may be crossing a line? Well, I don't know if they're crossing the line just going with them on Air Force One. There's a lot of sea on Air Force One. But I think it's more a business development than anything else. I think that's the reason you see the Bidens go with them everywhere. I mean, think about Hunter Biden. From 2009 to 2014, he was on 411 air flights, domestic and international, flying around the world. And you know what? He was under Secret Service protection at that time. And in 2014, something happened. Burisma, that story came out in Time magazine. And as soon as that magazine printed the Burisma story, he dropped Secret Service protection. So I think they're more hiding things than anything else. It's nice to take family members in Air Force One. It's really kind of cool because it's kind of cool. I used to call friends of mine from Air Force One. That's kind of cool. But my father did not believe in nepotism. He told me that the night he was elected governor of the state of California in 1966. You know what I said to my father when he told me he didn't believe in nepotism? I said, I thought I voted for the wrong guy. (laughs) I should have voted for the other guy. Right. Because they did believe in nepotism. My dad didn't. He made us go out and get a job. And we weren't tied to finding jobs, get money to give to him. Well, literally, the guy that he did beat, Jerry Brown, I mean, actually, it was uh, the father, the, the, the senior yeah. Brown, definitely believed in nepotism because... Yeah, uh, well, I blew it that night. I'm telling <laughs> you. I really blew it. You know? Hey, but, listen, I want to show you father, a picture. You know, let, let me tell you. Let me tell you. These things happen to presidential kids, vice presidential kids. You're offered things all the time. What we did very simply, there was a rule. You call Fred Fielding. He was the head of the counsel's office at the White House. So whenever I was approached with a business deal, 
I picked up the phone, called Fred Fielding, and said, Fred, here's the deal. What do you think? He said, I'm glad you called, and you probably called because your gut was telling you it was a bad deal. So anytime your gut tells you that, walk away from it. But Fred Fielding was our guy in the White House to call to find out, these people who want to do business with me, are they good, bad, or ugly? What's the deal? And he would tell us. Well, I don't think anyone's been whispering in Biden's ear like that, unfortunately, for him and for potentially the country. Your father, of course, uh, dealt with Joe Biden. He wrote about him not very positively in his own memoirs. Here they are in the Oval Office. Um, what did your father make of Joe Biden? Didn't like him at all. In fact, Joe Biden, who was a member of the Gang of Eight, told him one time, he said, if you ever put together covert action, even everybody else in the room may agree with it. If I disagree with it, and they all vote for it, I will leak it to the media to stop it. That's why they didn't get along. That sounds, uh, wow, he actually admitted it. He said he would do that. And that sounds like it could be a violation of the law. He, he told that to my father. And then you remember, remember, he, he went, my father went to a couple of places and never had a press conference, never, never told anybody about Grenada, never told anybody about shooting down planes, you know, in, in other parts of the world. Nobody ever had a press conference about it. Why? Because he knew that, indeed, Joe Biden would leak it to the press and ruin the moment and maybe get lives lost because of it. Your father also uh, met with Donald Trump a number of times. We have a photograph of that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can't tell if this is just a routine meeting on a receiving line where you meet a thousand people or was this something more significant? This is not the only time you met uh, Donald Trump. You have any recollection of your father's uh, dealings with uh, the current, uh, the former president? Donald Trump was infamous and always been infamous. And so when there was a party at the White House, stuff of that nature, I'm sure he was invited to the White House by someone to be able to come and be at a state dinner. And that's probably a state dinner he was at, the way everybody seems to be dressed. And so he went to the state dinner and shook hands with my father. Let me tell you something. My father found out my wife, Colleen, was pregnant with our daughter in one of those lines. <laughs> uh, wow. The memories, the things that you guys uh, went through. So it's only almost been 20 years since uh, your father, your father died. Um, I'm sure you miss him. We miss him. I think his legacy mm. has been enhanced. But there had to be some unique challenges for you along the way, uh, weren't there? There always is. You know, I, I grew up famous. You know, my mother was Jane Wyman, Academy Award-winning actress. My father becomes president of the United States of America. It's really interesting. Most people sit there and always say, so what do you do? Never realized in radio 27 years and all the other things that I've done because it's so overshadowed by your parents. Uh, and, and that's tough when you're trying to make your own way and nobody nobody gives you credit for the things you've accomplished uh, because you've got such famous, famous parents. But you have to get over it. Uh, you know, growing up, we were all in boarding school. The Hollywood kids back in the day all went to boarding school. Six years old, I was in boarding school. Somebody said to me one time, so when did you move out of the house? I said, I think I was six. <laughs> oh, uh, and, you know. <laughs> And so, you know, I went to boarding school. I had the Sisters of Mercy who had none. Then I had the Jesuits who just backed up the Sisters of Mercy. And I tell everybody, I said, by the time they got done with me, Mom let me back in. Oh, boy. <laughs> tough, tough stuff, tough stuff. Well, Michael Reagan, uh, so good to see you again. Newsmax contributor. Go to at Reagan World or ReaganLegacyFoundation.org. Sir, many thanks. Great to see you and all the best. You got it. Thank you.
Bye-bye. And we'll be right back. Democrats in D.C. know that they interfered with this election. Republicans and the president are trying to disrupt that process. It's about pushing Republicans in different states to disrupt the selection of electors to the Electoral College in some way. Ooh, disrupting an election, interfering with an election. They do it all the time. They do it. What do you think this Alvin Bragg thing was about, right? That's interfering with an election. They want to take out the Republican frontrunner before anybody gets a chance to vote for him. That is over trumped-up charges, totally bogus charges. You know, they have to have him come back to New York tomorrow because the attorney general has to depose him. The attorney general, who is a absolute mm, whack job, sorry, in my opinion, that's Letitia James. And uh, she's going to, well, listen to this. She knows nothing about pretty much anything. They received a series of bank-ordered appraisals for the commercial property at 40 Wall Street in New York City that calculated the value of the property at $200 million as of August 2010 and $220 million as of November 2012. Yet... In his 2011 statement, Mr. Trump listed 40 Wall Street with a value of $524 million, which increased to $530 million over the next two years, more than twice the value calculated by the professionals. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, I actually used to live in that neighborhood. I'm very familiar with the building, 40 Wall Street. And from time to time, I look at the financial pages. Let's go ahead and take a look at 40 Wall Street. Very iconic building in Lower Manhattan. Letitia James says it's worth $200 million uh, back uh, all those years ago. I know enough about real estate to know that that is wildly, wildly undervalued. Trump put it at what, a half billion or so? Yeah, in 2011, a half billion. Let's take a look at the comparables, okay? There are other buildings that were selling around that time for even more money. 230 Park Avenue, $750 million. Okay, you see what's going on here? You see? So he's going to be deposed by Letitia James on Thursday. I wonder how that's going to go. I hope he doesn't take the fifth. I hope he argues with it. Who knows more about real estate, Letitia James or Donald J. Trump? All right. Uh, does he really have to take the fifth? I say go for it, Mr. President. I'll be right back. So how did this become acceptable, this kind of disrespect? It didn't happen overnight. It's actually been decades in the making. And I explore it in my new book, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, still available wherever books are sold. You can get it on Kindle, you can get it on CD, and of course you can get a good old-fashioned book for your consideration. Many thanks for watching, and I will be back tomorrow night. All the best.